guys in Bruno Mars whenever you're at the shooting range. Or the grenade thinking range. Oh, I hate that guy. All right. <laughs> hello, 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 everybody. Aloha. Welcome to another Big Talk, Little Talk, TGIF Politics. We've got a fully loaded panel here. We've got Franco from Frank Analysis, Charles from The Independent Report. we got Dak. Dak, I forget the name of your channel. Is it just your name? Yeah, Dak Rouleau, overwritten.org. There you have it, folks. And we have, of course, Pierce. Pierce over at Pierce. Is it SSC or CSS? Yeah, it's D Pierce, SSC. Thank you. All right. Yeah, no problem. So, um... Yeah, it looks like everything seems good on my end, guys. Uh, everybody's got some alcohol. At least I know Dak and Charles, we're, we're drinking tonight. Uh, what a crazy, crazy week it's been, everybody. And uh, please let us know how the audio is, how everything's playing out, just so we provide you guys quality content. Um, I'm going to kick it off with this first shot and this first question over to Franco. We'll go from Franco down to Pierce. So obviously, you know, a lot of uh, racial tensions happening in the country, riots, Minneapolis is on fire. Um, everybody on Twitter and on Facebook and everybody's arguing. And it seems like, uh, you know, the, the, the victim has kind of everybody has kind of uh, deterred away from the victim and and what's happened. Uh, I believe his name is George Flynn. Is that George right? Floyd. Floyd. Sorry, Floyd. So, Franco, give us your take on what happened, man, and just kind of your, you know, from, from the police tapes that we saw like, or, like, the video footage that we saw and then just kind of where we're at today. Well, I'll take the shot. Well, the video is, you know, it's, it's disturbing, and it, uh, it, I can understand why it triggers people. You know, it's, we're see, it's similar to what we've seen already with, like, Eric Gardner and other other acts of police brutality, which has been happening for decades already. So people are just fed up. They're probably also really angry because they've been, they're like locked in their homes also. So it's also probably a combination of a lot of things that led them to go out into the streets and protest. Um, the police are fighting back against these protests and it's just making people angrier. And a lot of the comments by some of the big political figures like Donald Trump are exacerbating uh the divide also uh people are yeah people are just they feel like they're more divided now than they've ever been yeah so, Char so that, charles i want to ask you uh this has actually been at, at least when it started it was kind of a bipartisan situation i saw ben shapiro put out a video that i was clapping at the end of saying yeah great this is great content like everybody seems to be agreeing that this was a, an escalation by the police officer and, you know, there should be criminal charges brought upon them or about, yeah, because there was about four officers that were kind of there and involved. Even the president was softly kind of giving his uh, approval to, to, to go after this case. Um, why don't you chime in on that part and how it all just kind of de-escalated? Yeah, I mean, uh, from what I've been able to follow of it uh, this week, I've had a pretty busy week on my hands. But from what I've gathered, uh, that they, they certainly should face prosecution. Um and, you know, right-leaning figures obviously coming out and giving their take on the situation and saying that that should happen, you know, you got to applaud them. But, of course, we all know who a big, you know, portion of the right-wing base is, and that's, you know, a lot of, you know, members of the police departments, a lot of military figures, so on and so forth, and they get real touchy about their their heroes and their boys in blue getting attacked, you know. So, of course, they got to try to walk that tightrope over there in the Republican Party. 
But, you know, the big thing to take away from this is when we look at this police brutality, uh, I, I think Jimmy said it best in a video he just recently released. Why, when these people get fined, is stuff not coming out of their retirement and pension plans, for crying out loud? Why is it whenever there's some financial repercussion, it's coming out of taxpayer money where the city just pays whatever they have to pay to make this thing go away? Why doesn't it really come back to bite a cop who goes out of his way to do something like this? Why didn't it bite him in the ass, you know? Um, if you reverse that mentality, we might start running a lot of this, you know, unnecessarily, you know, or unnecessary police brutality in, but, uh, it's going to take some serious reform for sure. Yeah. I totally deescalated too, uh, Dak, as we kind of got closer to now, um, you know, the last three days have been nothing but rioting and protesting. Here's where my contention comes in, right? Where I'm more of a, you know, pragmatic progressive. And I look at this and I say, okay, I understand the frustrations. People have been locked up for months. And I get that, you know, during this primary uh, election cycle, we saw a lot of like neo progressives, as you coined it, come out and kind of put up this facade of like, we're with you and so on and so forth, which kind of frustrated the left a little more. But I don't think you can deny that, you know, some of these kind of actions don't really help. I just want to get your take from that perspective, from that lens, like the rioting, the burning down the precinct. And then um, maybe you can chime in on Klobuchar, too, because apparently she's involved somehow where she could have prosecuted this uh, police officer. Uh, his name slips my mind, but if you can fill that in, too. Um, yeah, when I heard about them setting that police station on fire, I was this close to jerking off. It is so <laughs> exciting to see the devastation of these fascistic structures. It's reminiscent of what we saw in Cuba when Castro led his revolution and the guerrillas stormed the American and Western-owned businesses and trashed them, throwing out the cash registers onto the street. <laughs> it's very exhilarating. And there's great potential here where we see that there's an option for a kind of primitive reset. Where, as I said, these structures are demolished and we can begin anew. It will not be perfect, but then again, the transition from this state to a higher state is not going to be clean and precise either. And when we see CNN's windows getting smashed and the White House going on lockdown, it is so satisfying, but it's just tantalizing as a preview of what we could do next. So, no, I... Um, I'm delighted to see right. uh, this destruction taking That's place. That's a clear out there. position. Um, on I, that. <laughs> I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen anything that I object to so far. Really? I don't know why anybody would be upset about this. Them climbing to the top of the CNN logo, they need to knock it over. I mean, this is this is the opportunity for a real revolution. And I, I think we should seize upon right. it, just as the Black Panthers spoke about so many decades ago. This is a real opportunity here. Don't let it uh, slip through your hands. So, Pierce, I want no you to chime in, but I have to push back on that yep. a little bit. So. What, what about the, 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 the justice pursuit? The entire point of this was the death of this gentleman, George, and his family. What does this do to the community? I mean, I don't see the Antifas, the Black Bloc, and all of these folks, these antagonizer leftists who want the revolution and, and all of that. I don't see them picking up brooms and, and cleaning up the, the community, the Dollar Tree. I see nothing but, uh, you know, people who are, are frightened and people who are devastated by what was brought upon their city. There are community people there who are saying, enough, I shop at that place. I shopped at that Target. That was the closest place to me. I have to take the bus to work. I mean, the protect, the, the, you know, the uh, proletariat, the, the, these are your folks. These are the people you're supposed to be looking out for. So why didn't we see any of that kind of community outreach? It's, it just seemed like people were just wanting to get their selfish, greedy, 
interest out and as well and, and just kind of break things to me. Uh, can you address that before uh, I let we go over to Pierce? Sure. Well, not every single person who participates in this revolutionary violence is going to have good intentions. Obviously, there will be speculators who come in to try to take advantage of it. I'm not denying that. What I'm saying is that the spirit of it is so beautiful. And as for the people who are inconvenienced, I mean, I, I understand that. But at the same time, if the if preserving the dignity of Dollar Tree is really at the top of your list of priorities, then I don't think you're a proletariat. I think you're part of the bourgeoisie. Right. And so I, it is going to be a period of tremendous discomfort for people to, as I said, transition from this submissive yeah. state to a more active state of personal control. But, but, but that, again... You have to make the jump. It's, it was painful for all of us to get uh, ripped out of the matrix in one form or another. This is uh, another part of that process. Well, you definitely have some support in the chat. Yak Yak sending $10 in the super chat saying, burn it all down. This is the exclamation of grief. Uh, Pierce, I want you to jump in here because, you know, th there is a community here. There are people who, you know, see this as like, why, are, why would I embrace these figures, these uh, provocateurs? when i know what this is going to bring you know i have family members who live through civil rights uh protests and everything i know that this is going to bring nothing but a clamp down by the power elites and maybe that's what the leftists want they want this this ultimate uh you know uh confrontation between the powers that be the national guard the police force um and, and themselves right and and their agenda but it kind of, to me, it seems like it's erasing the underlying issue, which was police brutality and trying to get some kind of reform. Uh, go ahead. I mean, it can all be seen in a flux, right? I think that the black community, uh, after getting the right to vote, they've been asking for certain things. And I'm getting some noise on your end. I hope the, the audience can still hear me. Uh, but the black community has been asking for uh, criminal justice for a very long time. And... You know, the black community is also frustrated at the state of their own communities. And when it comes to trusting the white liberals, and I don't want to make this, you know, too racialized because my view on politics is more class-based. Uh, I focus more on militarism and the U.S.'s kind of uh, involvement in all these places, which, cu which cuts down the production possibilities curve of our nation and what we can do good for ourselves. But black people do not feel like America cares about them. White liberals do not care about black people. Uh, white conservatives do not care about black people. And you know how it feels like being in a nation where it doesn't feel like you're wanted? I mean, the riots have to be put in that context. Honestly, if you're siding with power here, if you're siding with, you know, the police and the military against your fellow Americans, that's on you. But you have to remember that black people are Americans. If we're all Americans, these people are your countrymen. Black people aren't some, like, invading horde. They have communities that have been, let me finish, they have communities that have been chronically underinvested. This nation has a history with black people, and there's been an apology. There's two sides to an apology, right? There's an apology and the remuneration, and when it comes to black people having asked for so long certain things go well for their community and that uh, the government helped them and that electoral politics serve as, like, a weapon, you know, that can work for, excuse me, that worked for them, I, I think that there's also like this kind of reckoning now that black people have to take uh, control of their own like destiny, that electoral politics is not the answer, that the Democrats have not been doing anything for us, but also the conservatives don't care about our community, my community either. And um, it's unfortunate, right? Because 
I don't want to be pigeonheld in this position of being like the black political person, but the it's right for the moment. Um, you know, seeing seeing like my community like go through what it's been going through historically, just kind of asking for the same things to get better, but never getting anything in return. You can kind of see some of the frustration in the riots and the protests. Like that's why people are destroying property and stuff because i mean what other option has there been you think jim clyburn and barack obama have done anything well for the black community you think that republicans give a shit about black people so it's like you know these are this is like the this is like a what would you call it reaction to just feeling unwanted uh, that's kind of how i see it it's a big zeitgeist and all of this is mixed together there's no separating floyd from the protests from criminal justice reform that has not come from the destruction of black of the black community since the uh, inception of this nation's founding, which, you know, we don't even teach that well in the schools. So, you know, go figure. Right. But you see how there's kind of some hypocrisy there where you're talking about being people being apologetic when one can separate looting and other crimes that are done. They're not donating this to a GoFundMe for Floyd, right? They're not donating this money that they take from the target registers to any kind of proletariat action and fund, right? All of this stuff I is being so. stolen. The TVs are being stolen. On that. Right, but let me I finish. So what, what, what do you say about time. that? What do you say about uh, people who say, look, I can, I can be for protesters and I can be for criminal justice reform and people seeking justice. And I can also call out the looting and the criminality that happens uh, as well as the police uh, force and militarization. Um, what, what do you say to that? I think that focusing on how the riots and protests are wrong is wrong. Like, if you're watching this current American moment right now, like, look, so much has happened, right, in our nation. It's 9-11 and ramping up the militarism, and then it's the 2007-2008 financial crisis where the nature of our nation just changes drastically. Then you have the bullshit of the primaries in 2016, then the bullshit of the primaries in 2019 and 2020, and, like, there's no political window for salvation for the people, let alone the black community. You have the stuff that happens with COVID and the COVID bailouts. Like, America's falling apart at the seams, and, you know, this is also tied to what is happening with the black community and the riots right now. Like, America is kind of, like, we were talking with our friend Christy Doff, who people should check out. She's a free Assange activist. I'm actually kind of impressed at the degree of destruction that America finds itself in at the current moment. It's like, I'm wondering if, like, like, what is the answer? Because corporate media and the corporate parties give us no no avenue on either side for progress. So it's like, I look at this destruction and I'm like, Dak, you like this tweet and I liked it too. But somebody said something, you can reiterate it better than I can, but it's something where it's like, I would much rather live like, you know, after the ruins are already here and try to start over. But I'm tired of being in this moment where we just keep watching America's decline. Like, America's declining so quickly and it's like, you know, that's not the fault of black people. Like, it's not the fault of black people and protesters that America is experiencing a steep decline. It's the prioritizations of our government and the fact that we just don't really see black people as Americans. Like, you know, they're, they're just kind of seen as like that community over there. But these are our people and this nation, if it wants to be a diverse project that takes advantage of, you know, the full benefits of multiculturalism and all the shit that we talk about. It's like you ha there was a way of doing that right, but we're doing it in all the wrong ways. So I'm not saying diversity is uh, bad, but America's form of diversity is like, I think, a clear model of how not to do this, right? Like, <laughs> So, Franco, why don't you chime in here on just kind of like my question is always like, why is the left so and this is, I think, one of the reasons and one of the big problems why the left 
isn't adopted nationally is because for one, the country's conservative. So they're going to back the police in this situation. It's a losing battle. And the fact that people are rioting and, you know, reliving this LA riots, 1990, let's look at history and, and learn from history. Leftists are always trying to, you know, preach to people. Hey, look at history, read books, read philosophers. Well, go ahead and look at that. The past hasn't shown a favorable result from that. If anything, peaceful protesting like MLK did and all kinds of other figures during those movements, that's what got them the meetings with the LBJs. That's what got them in the rooms to get majority Republican support for a civil rights act. So, you know, this burn it down mentality, I just don't understand it. Like, why, why isn't it kind of a, a, a position of privilege to speak like that? Because, you know, you're kind of undermining all the work that's been done. Is it, is it at that point for you? Or is there some kind, because, you know, I mentioned Amy Klobuchar's name, so I don't think anybody's addressed it yet, but she had an opportunity and people are going after her for that. But yeah, go ahead and address that. Yeah, uh, I want, I would like to hear Dak elaborate more on the historical question you had about whenever this has ever worked. I haven't looked that deep into history, but I know Dak has, but this is a reaction of people just being fed up with this stuff. You know, it's a it's a natural human reaction. Um, this is the way we have evolved. Uh, whenever we are, it's it's all about survival. You know, black people are being killed out in the streets. People who look like them are going to react in a way that they want to resist. The same thing happens to them, so that's why they react like that in a way so that they can be heard. But why apologize? Um, why why apologize for the looting and the criminality? Like why try to excuse that? I get that that, that, that people are frustrated. That part, it's just I'm more of on a I'm more on a stance understanding it. I'm not so, more so on the stance of like apologizing for it. Right. So you understand where they're coming from without like necessarily approving or or standing by the actions they took. Mm-hmm. Because when I saw, yeah, when like, I saw I people, I understand. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, when I saw people in the targets hammering away at the registers, I don't think they were coming from a philosophical, like, you know, proletariat. By the way, black people are not socialists or communists. No, none of the, most of them are, are heavy, heavy capitalists, heavy capitalists. Um, so, so when I saw them, you know, taking TVs and stuff like that, I don't think they were coming at it from a let's change and revolutionize our political infrastructure. I think it was more of a selfish grab. Um, but yeah, go ahead and comment on that, and then I'll let Charles chime in here. Yeah, you know, I'm. if other ways are not working, the people who are frustrated with this are going to react in other ways that will get people to hear. Um, so that's why they're... Some of them are destroying some of the some of the uh, some of these stores, and these these stores they have insurance for all this stuff. But again, I think there there could be better measures to react. Like I'm I'm not I'm not one. I'm just to, gonna like, chime in. You see how we're so like, focused on the property? Like this is such a capitalist society that it goes like deep into our psyche. We're so worried about like property rights and property damage. Like. Black lives, black community, America falling apart at the seams. That's like important. Yeah, but, but they exist within, they exist oh. on property. They exist around property, property that provides them goods, services, supply. But I understand where you're coming from. Uh, Charles, if you I want to chime in. I think it's that the conversation focuses like on this. It's an unfortunate focus on the conversation. 
So <clears throat> I might kind of get into something that uh, Dak was going to talk to us a little bit about. All right. <clears throat> All right. Um, let, 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 let's, let's look at history for a moment because obviously if I've stated multiple times, I'm a big history guy, right? right? So where has violent protests worked in the past? French Revolution. Ring any bells? French Revolution. That's how they overtook France from a monarchy, right? Um, American Revolution. Boston Tea Party. Okay, there there have been multiple times in history where the people have had to stand up and riot and fight to take their country back. Now, the one nuance between those situations and this situation that I would just like to point out is at the time, both of those involved monarchy. Now, I know a lot of people might look at the government as being utterly oppressive, a rigged system, but there is elections. Now, what have we noticed time after time after time after time after time? The people who were getting targeted by the crime bill, okay, the, the black community who is pissed off, tired of being trampled all over, vote for the Democratic Party. Now, if we go way back into the Democratic Party's history, where did the Dixiecrats come from? Okay. They came from the damn Democratic Party. They were a subsidiary of the Democratic Party that founded the Ku Klux Klan. And it wasn't until people like this guy, who got shot and killed in Texas, JFK, tried to start changing the Democratic Party, okay, and change it into something else and push for the civil rights movement. And that's where a lot of African American people became Democrats. They left the Republican Party behind. That's why this guy was a Republican previous to that president, okay? So they left the Republican Party behind. They became members of the Democratic Party. But something happened along the way. The Democratic Party have become bought the hell off. Mm. So you've got to stop voting for these assholes. They're going to keep doing it to you every election cycle. So the one thing that I would say that is the difference between the French Revolution and the American Revolution and what we've got right now is... You're getting these things continuing to happen to you because you keep voting for people like Joe Biden in my state here in South Carolina. He carried a huge majority of the black vote in South Carolina. And what the hell is Joe Biden doing for the black community? Not one damn thing. Yeah. He voted for the crime bill. Yeah, and that, Lock them up, and, right? Well, you bring up a I do want to ask yeah. so, you guys. So, so before you go burning your whole town down, and the one thing I would say is, okay, police brutality. You want to go after the police station? That's one thing. Know your enemy. The police are your problem. You've got a beef with them. You burn their precinct down. Okay, whatever. But it's not necessarily a property thing. It's why are you going to attack people directly who weren't necessarily involved? If you're tired of the problem, address the corrupt-ass politicians and the status quo that is the biggest part of your problem. Yeah. But burning your town down, that's what we call in the South, cutting your nose off to spite your face. And it ain't going to get you shit as long as you keep voting for jackasses every election cycle who are going to fuck you over. Yeah. So, Franco, you were going to chime in here, and then I've got, uh, I'll phrase it for uh, Dak to come in and uh, do his thing. Yeah, I do want to ask if you guys think that there would have been any other way that would have led to the firing of the police officer who killed George Floyd if it wasn't for the protests. Uh, so I, think, I mean, I think the protests were working. I, I just my issue is that 
you know, you need allies if you're if you're going to do a revolution or if you're going to mount a green party, third party, whatever strategy you're going to take, you need allies. You need the nation to be behind you. That's what MLK understood. And that's what the more sophisticated, more peaceful folks in all the movements you look in history, Gandhi, they understood that we need to win the hearts and minds of our own countrymen. I don't think that the left with these kinds of strategies are doing that. I don't think so. Uh, but Dak, please go ahead and chime in. I do want to ask you do one thing, though, Dak. Uh, Charles brought up the point about the black community supporting Biden heavily. And, um, you know, uh, I, I remember hearing a lot of people tell me that oftentimes people in the black community are, are, are disconnected from like the liberal, more leftist. I mean, you look at the DSA, it's majority white. You look at all of these organizations that are, are heavily leftist, heavily Marxian, and they're they're heavily white. Um, so I don't I don't know if the black community feels a connection to those organizations. Can you fill us in on on your understanding of that if you have any? And then you know what, what you want to say about the whole Minneapolis thing. Well, yeah, I mean the, the Minneapolis mob is not running for Congress, as far as I know. I mean th this idea that we have to have these allies to be on our side. These people are not like it, it's as if we're endorsing the entire entity, every single person within. And I said earlier that there are, of course, there are going to be stragglers and groupies who are going to be in it for the wrong reasons. But that's true of everything. I mean, the independent media has bad people, and that doesn't mean that we should, you know, discredit everything that we're doing. Um, now. I don't know why Joe Biden has become the honorary black man of 2020. I mean, that guy, besides, I, I mean, this idea that the Democrats are entitled to the black vote is ridiculous and offensive. Um, you mentioned the lack of socialist tendencies among black people. I mean, I am not an honorary black man, so I don't feel like I can speak to that comprehensively. But I can say this, that the black revolutionaries of recent history, such as the Black Panther Party, obviously had sympathy for socialist projects. We're looking towards a kind of communal healthcare system, a kind of a sharing of the general wealth, as opposed to the hyperactive capitalist mindset we have presently. Now, um, Franco earlier wanted to know about examples where this kind of violent action has worked. Um, Charles, of course, mentioned the French Revolution. And if you want to understand the French Revolution at a micro level as opposed to a macro level, you should definitely read Les Miserables. This fat old white man here actually understood the problems of poverty pretty goddamn well in the 19th century. Um, but beyond that, you can look at Cuba, as I mentioned earlier. Um, this is not some esoteric, obscure historical truth. You can see it in The Godfather Part Two. A group of oligarchical white businessmen, all from the West, invaded Cuba and turned it into a gigantic tourist industry. And then when Castro had his revolution, took it over and nationalized the industries. So those businessmen if they were permitted safe passage back to America, they didn't get to bring their economic resources that they had invested in Cuba. They didn't get to bring that back with them, which is why our, the American government hated Cuba for so long and still does. But nevertheless, if you are in a situation where these corrupt oligarchs are not going to go peacefully, they're not going to go quietly, then you come to a point where the rubber meets the road. I'm not endorsing violence as an abstract concept. But what I am saying is, as Pierce has been saying, when we look at the destruction of a target, 
in this city, which, by the way, Target, with its horribly paying jobs and bad uh, working conditions, does not do a whole lot of good for anybody in that community, be they white or black. We talk about community. These forces are what destroy the community in the first place. There is no community. And and, and so, I, I, as Pierce was saying, you're missing the forest for the trees when you focus on an individually objectionable act because there's so much more potential for progress in the broader spectrum. So let's go ahead and accept your narrative, right? How, how, What's that? so your, your narrative being that there needs to be an uprising, a revolutionary type of action. Yeah. Okay. All right. We don't live in a freaking, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? Vacuum. We don't live in a vacuum. The global economy already exists. The United Kingdom, the French, the Chinese, mm -hmm. the Russians, the Saudis, it's all an intricate system. If we have something yep. like that, that, that the left is advocating for, what makes you think that we are not going to become vulnerable to opposition outside of the country, outside of the nation, that will uh, jump at the, at the opportunity to take advantage of our crisis and either surpass us as the global leader, so then whatever the remains is, you know, that everybody's so enthusiastic to, to live in, will be beholden to that country because they will take the resources. They will. This is something that the left never talks about. So wh it, how, why is it ridiculous to, to bring that up and say, we also need to think about those elements, those factors, and, and how that's going to impact whatever uh, revolution you want to set forward. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying nobody has filled me in on how those uh, factors are dealt with or mitigated. This is a fun okay. question. Okay, we, we go back to the French Revolution. You're, you're talking about something different French here now. Why not the Civil about... War? I mean, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. You, you're you're talking. Well, hold on. You brought up just now the problem of America losing its status as First Nation or whatever. It, after the French Revolution, when the Napoleonic Empire fell. France was in a state of economic ruin and finally began to address its own internal dysfunction. Uh, Les Miserables depicts in explicit detail a dysfunctional healthcare system, a dysfunctional economic system, social injustice, you name it. After the fall of the French Empire, France began to create a decent social infrastructure. It wasn't perfect, but we see that France has things like universal healthcare, a respectable educational system, um, less widespread injustice there are still issues though as illustrated by the yellow jackets yeah. but but nevertheless you can see that they at least attempted to get their priorities in order america is incapable of setting its domestic house in order because it's too busy measuring its own dick as the global so you superpower. don't mind you don't mind being a inferior uh presence on a global stage as long as you can Hell craft, no. as long Hell as you, no. okay, that's, the, that's the question. That was the question. As long yeah. as you can get your house in order, you're okay with yeah. taking uh, a minority global presence that will undermine your resources, how much money GDP you produce in whatever system you have. You're okay with that. Absolutely. The, uh, uh, clearly with the, G with, the, with, the, with the unprecedented GDP that we already have, we are clearly wasting all this money on frivolities. So perhaps we don't need this much money to get the basics done right. Mm -hmm. Right. So looks like Pierce wants to say something. Yeah, Pierce, yeah I yeah, want to add ahead. to that. I mean, look at what America is doing with its superior position in the world um, and the West in general. But the United States is the unipolar power in the world. And this is more my avenue as opposed to just thinking about the black stuff, although that's important. 
Um, real quick, I want to address something that you said before. Uh, we were talking about like kind of the chaos that's pointed at communities. I mean, I think that these protests and stuff should keep organizing more and more. And if you can avoid the small businesses owned by people and not attack randoms that like have nothing to do with like the police and their kind of, um, you know, ham-fisting approach to black people, then that'd be great. But one of the things I want to say is that chaos usually wins uh, in uh, in situations. And this, this nation has sown the seeds itself for creating a situation where such chaos is possible. This isn't just like some chaotic element inherent in black protests. This is America. Like, the black community isn't separate and apart from Americans. This is the America that you live in. These people that are protesting, they are us. They're not just not you because they're black. Um, but I wanted to get into what you said with uh, MLK as well, because MLK also had some interesting politics. He was anti-war, and there's definitely been a, uh, um, a, a, a fall in black politicality, at least from my read of history, as it relates to, you know, post getting the right to vote. Black people have looked to the Obamas and Jim Clyburns, and like what Charles pointed out, they've started trusting the Democratic Party and thinking that change was going to come from an electoral system. They stopped their movement politics. They stopped, you know, philosophically, morally, and ethically orienting themselves for the better, for asking for a universal basic income, for the end to the wars. Some of the major movements uh, that were fighting against the war in Vietnam were black people that we're like, why the hell would I go and shoot some Asians when it's the white people that are oppressing me? So when it comes to the responses and asking that they be, you know, like, oh, can't we just custom tailor fit this uh, protest so that it doesn't hurt, it only hurts like the people that deserve hurting? I mean, the nation has sown the seed, it's, has sown the seeds for itself for the chaos that's happening internally which is a shame for our people, but also this unipolar position is wrecking havoc on communities abroad. And so you ask whether I would mind, whether Dak would mind, if the U.S. would take a you know, lower position on the you know, international stage, I think that would be not only to the benefit of our nation, because now we can focus on our problems, but it would be to the benefit of many families abroad. Lots of people get killed, injured, displaced, and, you know, unnecessarily sanctioned because of the United States of America. I say that as a service member. Um, I wish that my country could get better. I don't say this because I'm un-American. I say this because I look at, like, our power and how we're wasting our potential. We can do so much good in the world, and the longer the unipolar power persists in being mediocre and stupid and fat and lazy and violent and obese, the worse the species is going to be, um, you know, yeah. moving forward. Well, I understand, and... Look, I understand I'm empathetic, sympathetic to everything we've talked about. I think it's important for people to push back because it, it helps us, you know, cultivate these ideas. I do want to move on. I'll just say, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want people to speak that way when Nazi Germany was making its, uh, you know, its push on Western Europe uh, and say, hey, we need to just handle our stuff and risk Nazi Germany taking a position that would put us in a vulnerable position, um, you know. Who, or, who or is the Nazi Germany of today? What is the modern Nazi Germany, though, in your analogy? Well, I'm saying that you think other countries are not also as despicable as the United States and they're pushed to uh, consolidate resources. This idea that China is like this innocent bystander that only gets attacked by the United States. Saying that. You know, this Never is. Never said that. Well, there are a lot of people on the left who sure. I have contention yeah. with that are that do apologetics for China, the communist Chinese party. 
as if they're this kind of innocent bystander in the global stage when they are basically doing the fourth wave of imperialism with uh, Africa and other countries that are developing with this Silk Road, people. with this new Silk Road, building infrastructure for them so that they are basically indentured servant nations to China so they can connect yes. it to Europe. That's all I'm saying. That's fine, but that's different from Nazi Germany. I mean, the, the economic threat is different from the militaristic threat. And China is still so far behind with its military technology, it's not even funny. That's how, the, threat, that's how the United States gets away with this. Economic threats require military action. If there's an, if there's an economic threat to the resources of America, guess what happens? The Gulf War. So you can't dis distinguish economic threats from military threats. When the United States was threatened economically because of gas prices and OPEC, we invaded uh, Iraq. We get, got them out of Kuwait. So I, I don't see the delineation, the ability to distinguish economic threats with military threats. I, I, there are other ways to solve those problems besides with military force. I mean, but we don't need to go down right, that right. rabbit hole. I'm just saying a, a military force is not the only viable option. R putting morality aside, it, it's not the only way to get things done, as evidenced by what China is doing. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Uh, well, that's we can definitely dive into that rabbit hole. But Franco. Um, all right. Moving on from this kind of situation, I think that that that, that uh, horse has been beaten there. Um, all right. So let, can, can we take a shot or can we take a, a drink and freaking, you know, so Aloha spirit or something here? I, I'm waiting until afterwards. Uh, but this is certainly um, right. man. These questions are amazing. I think to the extent, though, that leftists do apologetics for China. I will, you know, speak for those people because I'm reading a lot about China right now, and it's an interesting culture. If you've never heard anything about China except what you hear on the news, uh, but are you an honorary Chinese man, Pierce? Uh, I mean, I did my ancestry, and I'm certain part Chinese, like over ten percent. Uh, but you know, that's neither. Yeah, that's neither here nor there. Um, but the reason why people do apologetics for China and for Russia aren't because these are like the places we wish to live, but it's more important what the unipolar superpower on the planet, like on the on the planet, it's the United States that kind of runs everything. It's more important what it does wrong because uh, that sets the tone for the species moving forward. And honestly, a lot of what China and Russia do that we can see as wrong is, you know, you can also see that as a reaction to the status quo. Yeah. Like the U.S. forces... Russia and China's hand economically by sanctioning anybody that's in the orbit of being friends with Russia and China. You force these people to work together in directions that differ from our culture, and you have them demonize us because we sanctioned Cuba, we sanctioned Venezuela, we sanctioned Syria, Iran. These aren't nations that just have the bloodlust of Americans like on their minds. Like that's not what Syrians wake up thinking about. They wake up thinking about the same things that we think about. They want jobs and they want to like hang out with their family and you know eat good food and play computer games but the united states you know it does a lot of bad and you know i see a lot of right apologetics for people that don't care about foreign policy and it's like that's what the u.s does most of it does more foreign policy than domestic policy yeah so very true um and i agree with most of what you said there uh but moving on because uh, i do want to get to this other topic about aoc and i know franco's been itching at this charles hopefully you have some takes on this I don't know if you guys have heard. I don't know what you guys, if you guys were tracking, but um, so Jimmy Dore, I caught this on the Jimmy Dore segment where he was criticizing AOC for adopting like nuclear power um, into the Green New Deal or being open to nuclear power as a alternative, including it in the alternatives for like fossil fuels. 
Uh, Dak, you had mentioned at the very beginning that you know you you were kind of baffled why why anybody would be opposed to that. Uh, but Franco, why don't you give? Because you were kind of uh, active on Twitter, kind of putting this out. So what do you know that we don't know about nuclear? So nuclear energy uh, has detrimental effects on human health. Um, it can cause uh, destruction on the DNA in a cell, which then leads to deformities. And if a woman is pregnant, that also leads to more severe deformities in the development of a child. And even though there are some safe measures in protecting leaks from happening in, with uh, nuclear energy, there's still a risk that it can get out and um, affect our environment and also affect uh, people that are exposed to it. So to me, the risks of nuclear energy affecting people and the environment that we interact with are not worth it. Um, I think that we should stick to other options uh, for renewable energy rather than uh, looking to a nuclear energy. Can you give me two or three that you're more fond of than nuclear? Yeah, I would say wind and solar. But not the approach that's being taken right now where uh, capitalist-driven com uh, companies are, uh, you know, running in the green, uh, you know, marketplace. Because, you know, folks like your comrade Michael Moore have put out films criticizing this industry. So even some factions of the left aren't satisfied with what you're saying. Yeah, it should be, um, it should be nationalized. Our, our energy system needs to be nationalized, not corporately funded, because that can lead to like, uh, just like what we see with the oil industry can lead to corruption that way. Um, and I also want to mention how Tulsi's Off Act doesn't include nuclear energy because and that and that policy is endorsed by a lot of um, environmental movements and other um, environmental scientists and the like so charles what's your take on this man because uh you know i i, I will I, I am open to anything that helps us lean ourselves off of the uh radical saudi state and you know being dependent on opec which is basically just a cartel um, anything that's pro uh, protectionism, I'm for. And I think, you know, uh, this pandemic has shown us that we shouldn't rely on other countries, right? Yeah. Um, I'm going to start off by saying this, first of all, uh, full disclaimer. You know, uh, energy and going green might not be my, my most uh, knowledgeable department. Uh, for example, I've got a 1990 F-150 with a V8 engine. I've got a 1999 Trans Am with a 5.7 V8 engine. My go. daily driver is a 2013 Camry, which is more fuel efficient with its lovely four-cylinder. Mm -hmm. But just so you know, I do have vehicles that are pretty big gas hogs. Um, but that, that being said, America. Uh, here's my thing. I have not studied nuclear all that much to know how clean it is compared to a lot of the other things. So I don't want to get out there too much, but I want to kind of focus on what I've heard Franco say. If indeed nuclear is a cleaner option than what we're running with right now, and the concern is the effects that nuclear is going to have on human bodies and DNA and things of that nature, the rebuttal that I would give to that is we're already tearing ourselves apart with things we do all the time, okay? How many studies have been done to see if cell phones cause brain tumors 5g conspiracy okay 
They talk about a cell phone being up close to your head all day long and Bluetooth devices, and now you have the skeptics on what 5G is going <laughs> to do, yet I don't see that slowing down anytime soon. Right. Okay, so we've already got this damage being done. Now, let, let, let's look at some other things. Um, the high school I went to had a Bojangles right down the street, okay? And everyone in school loved to go get Bojangles. And I had a teacher who literally sickened a class where they were like, oh, my God, I can never eat this crap again because he talked about where are the chickens grown at. They're not grown on this nice old prairie. Most of them are not free-range chickens, okay? They're kept in farms. They're pumped full of steroids, and they literally almost live on top of each other. Right. They're so cramped together. Now, they get pumped full of these steroids, and they get so big at such a young age, it can cause their legs to break. This is what he's telling people now, okay? causes their legs to break, so they can't move. And because they're so cramped up on top of each other, they live in their own feces, <laughs> which then gets into that yummy chicken meat. Isn't that what and we how criticize? do they clean it? With things like bleach, and you put that in your body. Right. And you wonder why you have more and more cancers coming about all the time when you look at the things we take. So if yeah. the concern is about us damaging our bodies, hell, we do that all the time already by our own choice. Yeah. So for that argument, I have to say, yeah, it's a concern, but we've already shown when it comes to that, we don't give much of a shit anyway. So I'll let Dak j jump in here. I thought that was hilarious because, you know, we do criticize China for that, too. And it's like they, they stack stuff. That's how we supposedly got to this situation. But uh, I do want to uh, give a shout out to Freebird for the five dollar super chat saying, does anybody on the panel know about thorium in regards to nuclear? Uh, is it safe? Gonna... Yeah. So we'll leave that for uh, Pierce. You can address that. But Dak, go ahead and chime in on this nuclear situation and AOC. Yeah. Okay. See, here's the thing about nuclear energy. Um, I'm not a nuclear scientist. If I was, I would probably make more money than yeah, I do right now. Um, but the thing is, uh, yeah. Um, see, the thing is, nuclear energy has, of course, been demonized relentlessly in the Western media over the last several decades. The Chernobyl disaster, which was also exploited to promote anti-Soviet sentiment in the United States, followed by the Simpsons. Twenty. What are we at now? 30 years that show's been on, running, yeah. taking, yeah, taking pot shots at, at nuclear power. The thing is that nuclear power, if it's perfected, is, of course, the cleanest possible option. Paul Roberts, who was a pragmatic liberal, I, I think he's actually still alive, he wrote a book called The End of Oil, which talked about the need to wean ourselves off of oil, not to just shut the system down overnight like some radical, but uh, that was a joke of myself, by the way, but, but to like lead to a transition. He even wrote in defense of nuclear energy. The problem, of course, is that the worst case scenario for nuclear energy is way worse than the worst case scenario for any other type of energy. And the thing is, if the United States were to perfect nuclear power, which our biggest incentive against that, of course, as Charles may have been alluding to, is not that it's un it's that it's unhealthy for us because we do a fuck ton of other unhealthy things. It's that these oil barons don't want to share their slice of the pie with anybody else. If there was a way for them to squeeze money out of that and their oil industries, they would definitely do so. But the problem is that if the United States were to adopt nuclear energy and were to show that it works, then other nations that might not be as diligent in safeguarding the process could engender a global catastrophe. Mm. So the thing with nuclear power is 
I understand that there is a pragmatic objection to it because we don't live in a libertarian utopia wherein everybody does take full personal responsibility, but that doesn't mean that we should demonize nuclear power as a general construct. Yeah, I think that's an yeah, excellent that point. Um, and that, I think that's why Jimmy's video got uh, ratioed pretty badly is because yeah. people felt like he didn't really look into those kind of solutions or the demonization, like you said, of our mainstream media and our like liberal power structure against it. It is costly, right? And the only thing, Pierce, that I know as far as like the thorium thing or whatever is that there's this like difference between like what we have now and a fusion version where like uh, whatever the proton, whatever they instead of crashing and breaking up the, the, the whatever and then causing the residue, it, it infuses it somehow. And then it, it's also like a bigger bang. So there's more power. Yes, that's all I that's, know. But yeah, go ahead and expand on kind of that aspect. Yeah, to, to clarify what you mean, and I'm not any, you know, super expert on nuclear fusion either, but the, <laughs> but the thing Don't is understand with yourself. Uh, thorium as opposed to uranium, which are most nuclear plants, but also what our nuclear weapons run off of, thorium provides you more energy, but it is less likely to be weaponized. So there's a reason why the U.S. chose uranium um, with the advent of the Cold War and wanting to build up their nuclear stockpile. You can't do that if you focus on thorium. So there's this kind of like path dependency of the fact that we've used the least efficient version. Um, you know, we're using uranium instead of thorium when we could have made that investment back in the day and started using the more productive energy. So if we want to move in the direction of nuclear energy, first I'll say for the waste counterpart of it, or, or the part of it. One of the things about like fossil fuel is that when you burn carbon, it gets shot into the atmosphere and you can't really control it. But, you know, at least as a transitional fuel, what, what do we do with nuclear waste? What we usually do is we dig a really deep hole and then we encase that hole in concrete and then we put the nuclear waste there. Now, we have to figure out what to do with that nuclear waste in the future, but we know where it is. It's not just like carbon that's shot up in the air and aggregated by all of the nations in the world using fossil fuel. Um, it's it, it's a known variable at that point. So I think that I think that nuclear totally can play a role with transitioning us out like out from a species that depends so much on burning carbon and shooting its emissions in the air for us to transport ourselves around. Um, to bring in China a little bit, China uh, exports more solar panels than any other nation uh, per capita. They have the biggest industry in that realm. They make the biggest investment when it comes to electric vehicles with Tesla recently opening up uh, a plant in Shanghai. Uh, wh why does China do this? Is it because they have like malevolent ends and they want to, you know, game the green industry and be number one there and eke everyone out? Maybe. I mean, probably. possibly. But one of the reasons why China does is because they're actually very resource poor for their gigantic country and their huge population. And they import tons of their fuel. China's not a nation that is rich in fossil fuels. They get most of their fossil fuels from abroad, from Russia, yeah, from Venezuela, from Iran. And um, I'm, I'll close this argument out by what you were alluding to earlier, Israel, I actually agree with you that there's a huge incentive to transition out of fossil fuel just to take the power out of the hands of these, you know, these countries like Saudi Arabia. The more that you devalue that uh, property, that, that resource, the worse off the Saudis will be and the better the world will be because a world where the Saudis are just getting worse and worse is a better world. Um, uh, Absolutely. Anyways, uh, uh, just to... And there was one more thing I was going to add. Um, 
one of the things that's a main contributor of climate change that I never hear the AOCs and Bernies talk about, I, I don't know if Tulsi Gabbard has mentioned this, but military actually uses a ton of, uh, you know, oil and stuff like that. Like, every nation having to constantly do patrols and carry out exercises, you know, a lot of this is in reaction to the fact that they think that the U.S. might invade them one day, vis-a-vis um, -vis like a North Korea or an Iran. They run exercises every once in a while, and the aggregate total of all of this exercising and military vehicle use and military operations, it also is its own form of polluter that I don't hear the leftists talking about. Like, if I consider myself a leftist, I think that war is central because it just reaches back to literally every topic um, or you know, at least it feels that way. So yeah. I think instead of demonizing nuclear, we'd be a lot better served by just, you know, pointing out um, some of the things that like Charles pointed out, where Charles was saying like, we're already killing ourselves slowly in various other means. So saying that nuclear is bad and then just trying to shut down the conversation, it's unproductive when we could be doing productive things, such as making sure that the Saudi Arabians end off in uh, less and less uh, uh, of a tier when it comes to the global well, totem pole. I 1,000% agree with that because, you know, Saudi does uh, also mass produce or, 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 or uh, you know, sends out this, like, very radical uh, Islamic version of uh, for Muslims, and, and it causes a lot of problems. And I agree, too, with the military-industrial complex element that you brought up, that it also causes a lot of problems for us. I did want to address, uh, I think it's Quinn Peterson. He was talking about the sun. If I'm not mistaken, and I would refer you to like this Netflix special, History 101, they do a nuclear piece. I think it was really good. And they talk about how like they're, what they're doing now with this fusion thing is kind of what the sun already does naturally. So in a way, they're kind of trying to recreate that somehow. Obviously, this is a long way you know, away, but uh, I think any little step, that's why I, I had contention with Michael Moore's movie is that just like, okay, dude. If it's not like, you know, the the comrade version is not going to come like tomorrow. If it's not these little steps that help you, you know, give you a pedestal to reach the cabinet or whatever. I mean, why undermine it? Like, why undermine, you know. The, the, you do realize Michael Moore has sucked at everything he's ever done, right? <laughs> oh, you mean you, millionaire Michael Moore? The, yeah, the, I mean, the, he the sucks like he There's is. going to be some some hyperbole with the work that Michael Moore does. What's that? There's uh, going to be some hyperbole in the work that Michael Moore does. Yeah, yeah there's, there's less hyperbole. <laughs> so, so Quinn, cheers. It's uh, propaganda. So, shout out to propaganda. Oh, hey, Quinn. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to uh, uh, Trump because I, I do. I'm anxious to open this up for everybody just to to talk and have a conversation. So, okay, uh, Franco, uh, Trump went on kind of a rampage uh, he, he, against Twitter and the censorship. We've been seeing that on YouTube with Adpocalypse and all these different cascading events that have led to today. And, uh, you know, he brings up this, like, Policy 230. I don't know exactly what the name of it is, but it was basically a measure in the past where they said, all right, all of these websites online, these platforms, they can't be held liable for every Nazi that goes on there and talks about the JQ. So we're just going to hold them non-liability. Non you know, non-liability, it's a bathroom wall, like Kyle Kalinske says. You can write on it, and there's no, like, repercussions for the company that, that, that maintains and keeps this platform. Mm -hmm. And that's what social media has been writing on for a long, long time. But it's recently, since the advertisement money is what they rely on, 
they've become more of a publisher where now they're saying, okay, let's prioritize mainstream media. Oh, you like this Frank analysis video? Well, I bet you'll like this CNN, you know, segment, even though, of course, you guys are so distant from each other. That's the next suggested video. That's one example. Another example is Twitter jumping on and saying the president is, you know, we're fact checking him with CNN, even though CNN has its biases and they're not doing this to like all the billions of people who tweet like billions of tweets all the time. Uh, chime in on that. And, and what's your thoughts? It seems like a dystopia, the dystopia that they would teach us in elementary school about how China and how North Korea censor uh, their their people's freedom of speech and the information that they get like they can't they can't find certain pieces of information on the internet because their government censors it you know I don't want to live in that kind of society I want to live in a society in which we have the freedom to say whatever we want and Twitter is a platform that allows people to do that so by doing that they're by by censoring people you know why are they the ones that set the narrative for what gets censored and what doesn't get censored. Like they are going, they're just going to censor things that they don't like versus things that they do like. So it's not going to be objective. It's going to be, it, their censoring is going to be subjective. Yeah. Hey, Charles, but you know, for them, it's the scary Nazis, you know? We have to, we have to shut them down. And the commies, we have to shut them down. Um, what, what's, your, what's your take on this coming from more of an independent perspective? So, you know, of course, this is, you know, typical Donald Trump. You knew he was going to come out and say things like that. But my my, my thing is this. One one thing we have to realize about all these platforms with the way they're structured right now and the way our society works, and I'm not making a defense. I'm just going to state a fact here, okay? They're owned by private companies, and the private companies are going to dictate whatever the hell they want to do. And if someone's paying them off, so that their content gets a little more distributed because it's a little more financially beneficial. Guess what the hell's going to happen, buddy? Money, money. They're going to promote their content, and it's a <laughs> private company. So unless we're going to turn them into public things, yeah, like you know, then it right. So you know, uh, uh, we're going to have to take the Teddy Roosevelt approach. We're going to have to break these damn people up, and we're, we're going to have to bust up these companies, but. Here's the big takeaway for, from all this at the end of the day. When they say they're going to put CNN out there to do the fact checking, I've got one question to that. <laughs> Who in the hell's going to fact check the fact checker? Yeah, because right, aren't yeah, these the same down. jackasses who told us that George W. Bush was correct in the fact that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction? You mean aren't they these didn't? the same assholes championing stuff like this along the entire time? pushing every war that's come and gone, telling us we were doing such a great job in Afghanistan, and, oh, what did we find out? We're just blowing money all over the place, not accomplishing one damn thing. Okay? So who's going to fact-check the fact-checkers? Because clearly they have done a shitty job at being accurate reporters over the last decade to two decades for sure. Mm, So, Like Russiagate and all of that, yeah. Uh, of course, they, they they do they do nothing to inform the people. And, I, and and again, let's focus on that. RT America has its problems, but when a Russian-funded news channel is informing more of the American people than the American news networks, 
who are telling us Russia is the fucking boogeyman. What the hell is that? They're doing nothing to inform the American people, which is their fucking job. They're a news network. Inform my ass. Tell me what a politician screwed up today in Washington, D.C., like Walter Cronkite used to do a long fucking time ago on the evening news. But no, no. Let's talk about Donald Trump screwing a porn star. Right. Okay, <laughs> but let's talk about all this dumb crap that really doesn't matter to the price of rice anywhere. Right. Okay, so, so. we're going to talk about all this dumb shit. And then, you, you, you know, again, who's going to fact check the fact check? No, that's an excellent point, Dak. Um, what, what do you make of that? I mean, look, you know, uh, you know, pro- porn stars and all of this. Is that not what Americans want? Are they not just responding to their consumers needs? Just to kind of push back a little bit on this. Obviously, I agree with you guys, but I have to go soon. By the way. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it sounds like Charles is asking who watches The Watchmen. Um, it, you know, I don't really. These people who hate Donald Trump so much yet want to know all the intricate, intimate details of his sex life. I don't know what Freud would make of that, but listen, what really. <laughs> What really tears my testicles apart is when you go on something like YouTube and you're searching for a video that the unseen oligarchs, the Wizards of Oz, don't want you to watch. And you have to go through a maze of algorithms just to find the goddamn video, even though it meets the details of your search completely. That is the moment when we realize that these tech companies are steering us in a certain direction. Right. And my issue here is that Twitter doesn't have to be the sole focus here. If you go on Google, you're seeing the same issue. You can search for things using very precise keywords and it will direct you not towards the source that you clearly want to get to, but it, instead it will direct you towards something that Google wants you to read. Julian Assange talked about this, how there was some kind of piece of legislation that the powers that be wanted signed into law. And on that day, Google made sure that every single person who went on the Google homepage was directed towards an establishment-friendly article covering that issue. I can't remember the specifics of it right now. But, 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 but the point is that it wasn't like this 10 years ago. 10 years ago, you, you were able to find these taboo sources, even though the powers that be in America obviously didn't want you to happen upon them. And and, and it's the way that now the algorithms are so transparent and we can see so easily that we're being had. I got a little experiment for everybody right now. Go on YouTube and search Trump can't win. That's why I want you to search. Now go on Google and search Trump can't win and you will find a video that has over 4 million views. It's a montage of leftist corporate media outlets predicting that Hillary Clinton was guaranteed to win the election. How come the video that has more results than any or more views than any other video that you would come across through that search has been buried down to like the 50th place on the list of results? That is censorship. And that is where we get to the point of like privatization of knowledge. It is dystopian as hell. Right. So, Pierce, I know you got to go. So I'll let you have the last word. You can talk about this situation and then just give us your last thoughts on everything we talked about so far. 
Um, yeah, I'll do the media thing, and then I'll just kind of give like a general last word, whatever might be on my mind. Um, 1984, they talked about the fact that if you control the past, you control the present, and if you control the present, you control the future. Narrative control and media, they umbrella everything, absolutely everything. The Matrix, what we're telling other people that they need to unplug from, it controls everything. It dictates how your citizenry thinks about war, how your citizenry thinks about nuclear power, and how your citizenry thinks not of their leader's incompetency for ruling, but rather, you know, the more salacious details like, LOL, this leader might have, you know, gotten peed on, just like really stupid shit that like, you know, there are so many good conversations to have about how to make a better society, but we do have to remember that it's like media umbrellas everything. So. Um, I mean, look at the way our democracy uh, functions. Uh, Charles, you brought up the fact that we can vote. I mean, what is a democracy when all it is, like the functional version of it, like irrespective of the values and what we tell ourselves we're doing, if it's just watching TV every two years and pressing button every two years? Well, if you have the control of the TV centralized and there are only certain narratives that are allowed, um, that's and your democracy hinges on you know voting on topics that the media is giving you, well, that's not really much of a democracy, especially if you constrain the conversation to a more narrow field as opposed to a more broader field and you know actually try to encourage debate and what can make our society better and you know all that kind of stuff. So media, narrative control, it, it is so important. I think it's the most important thing. Um, in fact, that will kind of segue me into my last word and then i'll transition into getting out of here i don't necessarily have to leave immediately uh but just someone's trying to viewers if you're still sticking with us please do everything that you can to plug like get people out of the matrix whether it's your parents i think it'd be nicer if it's like younger people teach them good values uh spread those good means and tell them that a world without war is possible i only say war because at this point in my development and education i've kind of come to the understanding that it's the worst thing on the species it's a blight on the planet and the closer we get to having a future where everyone thinks that the better and try to get people out of the matrix it's so important and i just really appreciate what you do israel what you do franco with your channel Dak, we talk all the time. And Charles, man, nice meeting you. This is the stuff of dreams, man. This is like the organic conversations. I mean, you're going to have better conversations with these people that you've never met. They're going to become your best friend. Dak, I don't know why you're laughing. They're going to become your best friends. And you're going to realize kind of like how, you know, maybe sort of mediocre your organically made friends in your lives were. Like, you know, you guys didn't talk about war and foreign policy and the importance of you know, thinking through media and politics in a, you know, philosophically sound way as opposed to the ways that CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, blah, 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 make us think about. But it's so important. And yeah, you might not be reaching so many people. You don't have that brand attached to you. You don't have CNA, CNN taped on your chest, uh, New York Times taped on your chest. But, you know, people are listening. Like, I have a small YouTube channel. I don't reach millions, but, you know, my videos are hopefully on there for a long time you know theoretically forever and i if i've played any role in helping somebody think about something in a better way then i'm happy about that i can live with myself um as opposed to like the hacks that you know they'll just take the job on cnn because they know that some other person's going to do it so they're like they're i'm the one that's going to enrich myself it's like the the moral and what what they're trying to do with corporate media, we have to fight against that. And I think we're just all doing the right thing, like having Absolutely. the conversations and, you know, sharing with each other. I think this is so important. 
Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we thank you so much for joining us and hopefully you stick around for a little bit. Um, I do want to just open this up and I want to give a shout out to my homie who's watching us right now. Cheers. A real proletariat out there doing the hard work for everybody. So, uh, cheers to him. Uh, hopefully he knows who, you know, that I'm talking about him, but, uh, yeah. So Franco, um, the other thing that I wanted to bring up, obviously, you know, the, the, the whole Minneapolis things happening. Uh, there was that, I don't know if you guys saw the Jimmy Fallon incident with the blackface thing, but, uh, I guess there was a video clip of him back way back in 2000. See ya. See ya Pierce. And, uh, yeah. So, you know, he, he got caught up in that whole situation. He was doing an impersonation of, I think Chris Tucker, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, very kind of cringy, but somebody was bringing up on Twitter, and uh, I told him I'd, I'd give him a shout-out, cover the story a little bit, about how, like, you know, there are black comedians who do black, uh, whiteface, where, like, you know, uh, Dave Chappelle famously does the, the the white news anchor or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know if you guys want to chime in on that or, or what your take is on the whole face, whiteface, blackface. So why did that – Jimmy Fallon video from 2000 get brought up again, like now. I don't know. It's weird how these things happen. They just kind of drop out of the sky randomly. Um, you know, it just kind of pops up surfaces, I guess. It's, it's, it's a weird I just situation. Think, I just think that because of the history that black people have faced, um, you know, being oppressed and uh, treated very badly by uh, white people that there's more outrage when it's a white person trying to impersonate a black person um, than it is when there's a black person trying to be trying to impersonate a white person because white people haven't had that history of being oppressed so that's why I, I, I see um, why I understand you know the outrage um, are you guys still there yeah I'm yeah. here yeah, I don't know how how everybody else feels about that, but I'm at I'm at the position with I understand the outrage. Everything's so sensitive too now, right? Where you know before people could get away with more like raunchy comedy. I mean, comedians are supposed to push the line. Yeah. And, uh, hopefully the stream is still. This I think the stream is kind of failing us right now, folks. Oh, great. Uh, well, we'll just carry on. So. Hopefully, the comedy was a lot harsher back then. Yeah, I don't know if anybody's got the stream or what. I lost it, but um, in case we're still up and live, uh, I don't know why my OBS is kicking us out. I think we, we brought up Assange's name way too many times. I'm going to blame that on Dak. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. Yeah. So um, I'm trying to see. I'm trying to find your channel. We're still up from what I'm seeing. So. Uh, I don't see you own. on the screen, Israel, unless you're trying to be. No, I'm not. But uh, okay. here, I'm on there now, but... Yeah. All right. I, I'm getting the cue from OBS that it's time to wrap it. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, comedians are supposed to push the line. And I think we've gotten too sensitive. I, I don't want to put the blame on anybody, but I think the whole SJW culture it, that somehow got attached to the left, you know, liberal and all of that. Not only does it hurt like leftist policies and progressive policies, but like I think it also antagonizes this race dynamic right where we all have to divide ourselves and oh yeah. we're all different you know and we all have to kind of yeah. pal up with each other and uh i think this happens not just in the white community but like even like in you know the black community and the you know latino <laughs> community we're so self-segregated 
So yeah. because we want to identify identity politics, identify with this. I'm closer to these people and they're outraged. So I'm going to share in their outrage. Yeah, it's well, a tribal, a tribal thing, the psychology of reacting, like group thinking. Right. Well, the, the thing is with blackface, um, the only time that blackface was ever justifiable was in the film Tropic Thunder, yes. which ironically, <laughs> that was also the first film where the social justice warriors were starting to be heard in Moss. Um, they had complained quietly before, but that film, the controversy it generated, was the first example of the SJWs actually getting a kind of widespread platform. And interestingly, they completely misunderstood what that film was trying to do with the blackface, yeah. um, which was satirizing out-of-touch Hollywood actors who didn't understand the atrocious nature or history of blackface. So Jimmy Fallon, I haven't, I don't, I didn't watch the clip because I have no interest in it, but something tells me he wasn't trying to make a sociological point. Um, Dave Chappelle, I'm a big Dave Chappelle fan. I was actually just watching a skit the other day, The Racial Draft, and he, uh, he does whiteface in that video. Um, but I, again, with what Dave Chappelle is doing, there's no reason for a white person to take offense to that. A white person who takes offense to what Dave Chappelle is doing does not understand what Dave Chappelle is doing. It's it's harder to find a justification for blackface, although it does come up every once in a while, as we saw with Tropic Thunder. Yeah, no, I think yeah. that's an excellent point. And I think it's all about context and, and, and you know, what the, the message is, or I guess what the comedic, comedic about it. It's it's a performing art thing. I think it's you know it should be seen that way, and artists are meant to push the line. So, I do think we just live in this very identity politics driven. Uh, uh, what did, what did you say, Franco? Like uh, primal tribal, yeah, this tribal like yeah. culture, and and that's unfortunate. But uh, yeah, I, I guess I'll read a couple of chats here. Uh, uh, can, I, can, I, can I throw one out there for you there, Israel, before you get started on that? Yeah, if you guys see one, yeah, go for it. You know, the the, the whole blackface thing, and again, it, it, it's a lot different for somebody like myself to comment on that because, you know, I'm, me being a white guy, I don't necessarily have the background to maybe understand how much this really impacts you know, people of color. But... Just looking at it from my perspective, at the end of the day, I think it really comes down to how are you trying to portray yourself? Are you really trying to tribute someone or are you just trying to be a, you know, a, a jackass and make a joke? Mm -hmm. Okay. For example, you know, I like listening to Jimi Hendrix music. If I want, if I were to dress up at a Halloween party or something, and I wanted to be, you know, Jimi Hendrix, but I genuinely like Jimi Hendrix. I, you know, to me, that kind of comes across as I like this guy. I think he had great, you know, music. I'm trying to pay a tribute to the guy. I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm not trying to be a jackass. I genuinely love Jimi Hendrix music. Okay. Um, but unfortunately, the way, the way I look at this is, you know, there comes a point in time where, you have to put the past in the past, okay? Sure. People did shitty things once upon a time. And it's happened to a lot of people, okay? Uh, look what happened to Native Americans in this country once upon a time. 
Look what's happened to Asian Americans once upon a time. And for God's sakes, how many people still make fun of Asian Americans on a regular basis? Okay. For example, we're talking about blackface, but I can recall Eddie Murphy squinting his eyes and making fun of Asian people in a stand-up special. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, the the thing is, if we're going to apply that standard that you can't imitate another race at all because it is just this utterly racist thing to do, then there should be no blackface, there should be no whiteface, there should be no anything. Kind of like a universal uh, thing. Right. And, and I mean, a good example of that, we, we brought up, you know, what Dave Chappelle did. How about let's bring up the movie White Chicks, for example. Okay. Oh, that's another no, I yeah. love, I love the Waynes brothers. They're, they're, they're great. And I love the TV show because I'm a huge John Witherspoon fan. One, one of the funniest men that ever lived. Okay. I love pops on the show. But, you know, I I personally don't find white chicks offensive, you know. So at the end of the day, I think people need to judge what's going on by the intentions. Are you trying to be a complete dick and insult me and be racist? Or are you trying to pay, you know, tribute to something? Or are you just simply doing something as a friendly comedic gesture? I think we need to judge off of that, more or less. I, I, I think also with White Chicks, the Wayans brothers in that film were being pretty self-deprecating, whereas <laughs> like when white people are doing blackface, it kind of, if it's intended to be self-deprecating as a white person, that is lost. It seems like it's more about demeaning black people, so exactly. that layer of complexity is uh, lost. Totally unrelated subject. Uh, you said you were going to look at the uh, chats, Israel. I want to talk to the guy who says it's a nightmare to live with me. Uh, Two-bit <laughs> Rasputin. Well, your girlfriend doesn't have a problem living with me, so uh, that's all I'll say about that. There you go, the classic jab. All right, so um, uh, two-bit. I'm going to do like rapid fires here. Just two-bit uh, Rasputin says, all major media CIA project Mockingbird, including NPR. Uh, let's see. If you guys find something in chat, it looks like I'm firing on all cylinders now, but I think we did lose the stream for a second. But uh, anyways, uh, so Freebird says, have any of you heard of Biden's shark gate? The convo couch talked about it, LOL. Yeah, shark I heard about that. Shark. Yeah, like shark gate. Like, oh, oh, I thought you said shark. shark. Like, like yeah, like sharding. Like, yeah, like uh, I guess there was a noise <laughs> that happened on an yeah. interview. <laughs> uh, yeah, skip. Okay. Um, Am I supposed to get into the existential oh, uh, meaning of that? I don't like, know. I do, <laughs> Can you? If you try. No. I do want to ask. I'm sure there's Quinn an existential meaning to sharding, but go ahead, Franco. Yeah, I do want to ask Quinn Peterson, who used to be propaganda, if I'm right, yeah. to send send me over some links up to like uh, some nuclear studies that he's looked into because he was talking. He was giving us all this information uh, on the chat about solar energy and nuclear energy and the pros and cons. So I'm really interested in looking in that information he was providing us, like the primary sources. So HS Mac gives a credit to uh, Charles saying that he likes your accent. So there you go. There's a yep. little bit of bridging of, uh, finally Hey, yes. we're, we're finally, you were finally able to bond <laughs> on something, man. After weeks of friction. Hey, you where are you from? To you, buddy. Where are you from? Charles. Uh, Spartanburg, South Carolina. Okay. All right. So uh, let's see. Uh, he also says, fun fact, more processed foods are actually healthier for some people. Mm, I don't know. Do you guys have a I need to see that? that. 
Right. So I would need to see some studies on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Let's well, let's the, see the receipts. The GMO thing, right? Was that hyperbolic? In my opinion, I'm looking back at it now, and I'm like, maybe the GMO thing was a little bit hyperbolic on the liberal side, like being all concerned about GMOs. It it could be abused. Like it it depends how it's used. You know, if you want to increase yeah. nu- certain nutrients on a certain type of food, then I don't see how that could be bad. But if you're using it to increase like certain hormones and like chickens which can then affect the hormonal system in a person then that can be a problem well if i if i could throw one thing out there too um you know i I, i'm not convinced that all this processed food really doesn't take effect on us to some extent And, and i'll give you an example of that take me for example okay i don't have a parent that's over six foot tall I'm six foot four, okay? Way taller than than, than, than both of my parents, okay? Uh, and, and the only one that comes anything close to my height would be my grandpa on my mom's side, and he's still not six foot four, okay? Now, take my wife, for example. I'm not going to go into a lot of details here, but she is a, a, a rather well-endowed woman, let's say, okay? But her mom isn't that way. Not many other people. And my wife apparently ate a lot of McDonald's when she was a kid. And my mother-in-law has said for the past, you know, six years that it's because of all the chicken nuggets she ate. Well, (laughs) the the chickens do have those hormones put into them to make their breasts gigantic so you can make more. There you go. That was in Super Size Me, if anyone remembers that. No one else in, in her side of the family... You know, is 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 built that way. Yet somewhere or another, and that's her dad's side and her mom's. But somehow, some way, boom, there you go. I don't know what what they put in the foods, but I feel like, you know, I look back at the girls in the fifties and stuff, and they're just like sticks and bones. And I look at like girls yeah. today, and they're like voluptuous, curvy, all colors. Oh. And I'm like, I don't know what y'all are doing to the food, corporatists. But when it came damn. to the ass department, they were yes. ironing for I just, it. just be I just also re-watched. just more availability of food now than yeah. in the 50s, yeah. <laughs> Maybe women are encouraged to eat more now. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know about that because, yeah, food might have been a little more rationed back in the 50s. But let's look at what a lot of people ate back in the 50s. Now, yeah, I mean, you got the GMOs and stuff today, but I'm, I'm going to tell you something, okay? Okay. Well, we talk about some fattening foods. I had a grandpa, uh, you know, unfortunately, World War II vet just passed away last year. He was 95 years old. The man ate greens fried and fat back on a regular basis. Okay. Nice. So, you know, you, you can't tell me that that wouldn't, you know, pack the pounds on when you eat food like that, you know, just deep fried, fried in corn oil, stuff like that, you know, so... You'll still doctor today. That 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 would make you a big round ball, basically. But he ate it, you know. And uh, so two bit two bit rescues and says fried chicken boobs is a South Carolina specialty. <laughs> um, I personally think that when it comes to uh, South Carolina foods, we're great when it comes to barbecue. Mm. Uh, chicken around here is all right, but. You see a lot of stuff like KFC, and let me just go on the record. Oh, Jesus. Screw KFC, man. I, you know, I ate KFC when I was a little kid. 
I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. I like the colonel. Yeah, you, sh- you should look into the colonel. He was a draft dodger. The guy mm. was a well. The one thing that, that I will real? say is one: uh, <laughs> their mashed potatoes are like cardboard, and their gravy is way too watered down. And the chicken fast food nation. Oh, fast food nation, yeah. Yeah, that book talks about the colonel and all the other imbeciles. The guy who sells the potatoes to McDonald's dropped out of school at sixth grade. He's worth millions of dollars. Who cares? Nice. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah. What I mean, we can wrap this up, I guess. Um, so, okay. So, Minneapolis predictions. I think that it's not going to end very well. We'll see what happens. National Guard. I'm sure they're out there now, today, right now, as we speak, doing something. Oh, I oh the umbrella guy. We should we should bring up the umbrella guy, right? Did you guys hear about that conspiracy? Oh yeah. Oh, they're covered. Oh, yes. That yeah, was, that's a good topic like, to finish off. I so haven't Franco. heard about that one. This is going to be news for me. <laughs> go, go ahead. What do you think, man? Because, like, you know, that guy did seem like a provocateur, like a cop guy. They, they had the images. Yeah. We don't want to – we don't know yet, right? We don't want to, like – but, yeah, go ahead. Umbrella I guy. I think I saw – I don't know which news outlet, but they did find his identity, and he was, like, a cop. But I'll make sure to find that and link that here. But I don't know how accurate that is. But he did seem, like, kind of suspicious, like, how he just, like, started doing that. Well, you know, there isn't yeah, with isn't, anybody. Isn't it like a, like a CIA thing, the umbrella and all that? Well, well, the, the man in the video, um, apparently the Minneapolis Police Department, or maybe perhaps it was the Minneapolis State Police, or Minnesota State Police, I don't know. One of them put out a statement saying that he is not the person in the video. Because the conspiracy theory okay. is that the guy who was vandalizing the windows is, is a cop who was, design, who was sent out there to try to you know, make the protesters look bad and incite people to violence. But now some police agency is claiming that he was not the person in the video. But obviously Twitter is skeptical of those claims. And his eyes do look pretty close to those of the person in the video. So I haven't done research on this. Um, There are situations where infiltrators are put into organizations. Um, It wouldn't surprise me, but I don't don't know. I don't put anything past the state these days. (laughs) Yeah. No. For, for, for sure. I mean, for, for one, this kind of sounds like the conspiracy theory back during the Kennedy assassination where it looks like one of the kind of homeless yeah. people that were near the scene of the crime looked an awful lot like E. Howard Hunt, who was yep. pretty far up in the government. So, you know, we kind of get a little bit of that vibe here for sure. But yeah. uh, again, uh, do I think that it, there is the potential that the government or even local governments would stage things like this to try to make something look bad to fit their narrative as to why we need to really crack down and rile the people up. I fully believe people would do something like that. I fully believe government, local government, federal government, whoever would do it. Uh, as I've pointed out multiple times, uh, all you got to do is look at, you know, what happened during the Kennedy administration with Operation Northwoods. Yeah, They'll do exactly. it in a heartbeat. All right, folks, so that'll do it for this live show. I had a great time. Franco from Frank Analysis. You can check out his YouTube channel down in the description. The Independent Report with Charles, you can check out his link down in the description for his channel. And, uh, Dak, I have your Twitter up, I I believe, so people can go check out your Twitter. I'll try to add your channel after this, uh, after we're done here. But you can check out his channel at uh, Dak Rouleau. Did I get that right? 
You got it. Better than a uh, Craig at the convo couch. Still can't pronounce my name correctly. He'll get there someday. <laughs> what does he say, Raulu? Raulu. All right, guys, we're signing off. Uh, stick around for a second. Peace out, everybody. Thank you.